we learned the necessity of formulating a habit of inventory, of keeping check on ourselves lest we get back into the stinking, thinking, drinking, thinking days of yore which led us into so many problems and to so much trouble. So then in the 12th step, 11th step, we immediately realized that we're not going to be very successful with ourselves nor our inventory unless we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Now in this step it says we sought. In other words, we had an open mind. We're again seeking, we're looking for something. We're not trying to sidestep something. And in answer to the old invitation, seek and you shall find, ask and it shall be heard and shall be granted to you, we in our humility say, God, teach us to pray. Now one idea perhaps we better clear up right in the beginning is prayer is not weakness. Prayer is courage. Any nincompoop can leave his prayers go day after day, but takes great courage and great humility to go to God day in and day out, minute in and minute out for everything, to become God-dependent people. And that's what God wants. Now, it's not for me to define what we mean by prayer. Each one has to seek God in his own way. But perhaps it might not be out of place to suggest the most appropriate times for prayer because I think most people orientate to these times. That's in the morning, in the evening, and during the day when we're tempted. Why do we pray in the morning? We pray in the morning in order to get the courage, the strength, and the guidance to live the day well. We pray in the evening to thank God for the blessings of that day and also to express our sorrow if we have failed to live up to our own expectations of that morning. And during the day, when we're tempted, we call on God for aid. You know, take, for example, the carpenter. When he's on top of the house, merrily hammering the shingles in the house roof, he thinks about nothing else. But once he starts slipping, then he yells for help. And so we go along our workaday world. And perhaps we have not thought of God all through the day, but once we start to slip, then we should immediately call upon him for help. In other words, we might start our day by saying, Almighty God, I may forget you today, but please, God, don't forget me. In other words, he is our security against slipping in any type, whether that's moral, spiritual, whether it's slipping as far as thinking is concerned, drinking, thinking, or even thinking. You know, I've had a lot of people to talk to me after they're sobering up from a drunk. And I have made it a point to ask these people to tell me 
whether on the day they started to drink again, whether that morning they honestly and sincerely asked God for the strength of sobriety for those 24 hours. And everybody answered no, with one exception. One guy said, yes, Father, I did. I prayed and prayed and prayed that God wouldn't let me get hurt on this drunk. <laughs> then a word about meditation. You know, so many fellows and gals seem to be confused about this meditation business. I believe one of the difficulties, we approach it too formally. Meditation is very simple. Meditation comes from the two Latin words, mediotare, which means to stay or tarry in the middle. So meditation means for me to tarry or stay in the middle with a truth. Analyze it. Turn it over. Apply it to myself in relation to God. Make a decision, and then gradually truth will motivate my living instead of excuse-making and rationalization. Let's take an example. Let's take an example about a truth uh, concerning which there is no controversy, and that is death. I don't believe anybody here doubts we're all going to die, sooner or later and sooner or later. It says in the scriptures about Adam and Eve, they lived hundreds of years, but always about these gentlemen, the last thing written is, he died. Methuselah says, live 969 years. And then it says, two little words, he died. <laughs> so I don't believe anybody doubts that we're all going to die. So let's meditate on that just a moment. And the first question will come to our minds, who's going to die? I'm going to die. That big shot. That big eagle, that guy I, who I'm so tolerant with now, I'm not tolerant with others, that guy is going to die. And you know what's going to happen after death? Everyone's going to be the same size, six feet underneath the surface. <laughs> then immediately rushing to my mind is the question, when am I going to die? <laughs> I don't know. Ten years, ten months, ten days, ten minutes, it has happened. I was giving this talk up into a group in Indiana one time, and uh, right after the meeting, one of the fellows dropped dead. Believe me, the other guys got on the program that night. <laughs> Then the question comes to my mind, how am I going to die? If I'm positive I'm going to die, I don't know when, then it must be important, how am I going to die? Ah, there's the big $64,000 question. How am I going to die? Well, there's only one answer. I'm going to die as I live. 99% of the people die as they live. Therefore, if I want to die well, I better begin to live well. I don't know when I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I want to die well. Therefore, 
I will today, right now, make a decision to begin to live well, and then if I die today, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I've died well. If I live, therefore, every day well, no matter what day I die, I'll die well. And after all, that's all that matters. Now, I've made a meditation, just a few moments. I took a truth, I turned it over, I applied it to me, I made my decision. Now, from now on, I'm going to live more with an idea that one of these days I'm going to die, and I want to die well, so I better start living well. And that way we can meditate with any truth. Alcoholism, uh, any virtue, honesty, indecision, decision, take any truth, turn it over, apply it to ourselves, and then make a decision in our relationship with God, and we have made a very effective and efficient meditation. And that's the reason in seeking through prayer and meditation, we do it to improve our conscious contact with God. What does that mean? That means to bring God more and more into my conscious living. Today I may not think of God at all, but if I begin to meditate and to pray tomorrow, I will think about him once in a while. If I continue to do that, I will gradually improve that consciousness of God in everything I do. And let's make God a real God, a God that can come into our lives and take part in everything, not only on Sunday morning, but every day and, if necessary, every hour and every moment. And if I seek through prayer and meditation, I will more and more gradually, over the years, improve, in other words, become more and more conscious of God's manipulations in my entire life life and all my ways of thinking and living. This is the quickest, the surest, and the safest way to sobriety and to happiness and to serenity. Prayer and meditation. I mentioned before we took step 10 that the daily living of the AA program con was constituted by taking each day step 10 step 11, and step 12. And right in the middle of all these three, there is step 11, the whole core of the AA program. Because if I ever remindful I'm an alcoholic and need God today, each day seek him through prayer and meditation, then I will rapidly go along the path of sobriety and happiness and serenity. When we approach God, we might say a word just right now that we are still human. We can't expect miracles, though we could, but in the ordinary course of providence, uh, God is not going to make a saint out of you overnight. If he would, you would become the most arrogant person in the world, and you would probably take all the credit of it. <laughs> but God lets us stumble along and if God wanted perfect prayer, he would have made us differently, and he hasn't. He made us full of faults, full of rationalizations, all types of thinking. And we might say a word, too, about such things as distractions in prayer. 
So many people are disturbed by distractions in prayer, you know. They say, well, Father, every time I start to pray, everything in the sun comes under me, into my mind, except uh, God. Well, that's normal. That's human mentality. When we start to pray, we put ourselves on a supernatural level. And so all the human elements are going to rush in. We should ignore them. Distraction should not disturb us unless we cause them. Now, of course, if you sit down to say your prayers and turn on the television, <laughs> that's a different situation. You know, they tell the story that St. Francis one day, speaking of distractions, now, I don't know whether this ever happened to St. Francis, but he's just as good as anyone else to tell it about. <laughs> but anyhow, it's... They tell the story that one day he was driving along the highway or riding along the roadway on a horse with a brother of his order. So as they were riding along, this brother in the Franciscan order said, Father Francis, he said, you know, I have come quite far in this matter of prayer and meditation. He said, I have come so far that I can meditate now for hours on end and not have one distraction. Oh, Francis said, you can? Yes, Father Francis, I can. Well, Father Francis said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'll bet you my horse against your horse that you cannot say the Lord's Prayer without a distraction. Why, Father Francis, the brother said, that's easy. Okay, Father Francis said, let's begin. So they stopped and they began. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Just then the brother said, does the saddle go with it? <laughs> Then before we leave this 11th step, perhaps there's one thought we should take with us. And that is, let's always remember that unless we willfully meditate now, the day will come and has come for most of us when God will force us to meditate. Remember coming off that last drunk? <laughs> That wasn't such a pleasant meditation, was it? 